0: to teach English as a second language elsewhere, like in Korea or Japan, but ultimately my heart has always been, you know, for the island and for these English language learners who need someone to be an advocate for them to help cultivate that voice, because let's be honest, a lot of their voices are rarely heard, but it's that's what I want to do. I want them to, I want to cultivate their voices so that they can be a part of the conversation, part of the global conversation. They deserve to be heard.
1: Yeah, we ha- we have a lot of uh, children that come here to and get ed- educated, whether it be because their parents are here on a contract, or, or whether they're, you know, here to start a business or find a better life. And some of them have some incredible stories about things they, they, they practice and they do in their countries. And sometimes we fail to, to to identify with that and learn from that. You know, we. Uh, I have a grandson that goes to Father Duane School, and he tells me every once in a while, you know, oh, did you know that in this country they do this or they do that? And it's like, wow, maybe I should get on the internet and, and research that because that that sounds like a good idea. You know, uh, there are a lot of things that other places have tried. You know, I, I look at Japan. Japan's getting to that 50-50 balance where they their their old folks are. Fifty percent, and the young folks are fifty percent, and the younger ones are declining. So now you're getting so much more of their seniors, and so now their country is, uh, you know, in, in that kind of formula where they're going to be less productive because they're going to have to be carrying the retirees and the seniors more than they're going to have taxpayers actually generating things. So it's it's a it's a concern for them. In the United States, of course, we're a little different, and in China, it's really different because now there's a global explosion, right? A Chinese. And you can see it all because they're moving all over the world, right? They're they're going to different countries. They're investing in different places. And so the world is, is kind of getting smaller. We're, we're all integrating even more. Uh, we see some bad practices from some Asian economies. We see some bad practices from South American countries in the United, you know, that come to the United States. So. I think you're right on that when you say about the global issue, you know, and, and uh, you know, very important. That. And it's exciting that you guys had the opportunity to travel and see those things, and maybe you can share that with other people, you know, as a teacher of the year or an educator with your children uh, in your class, and uh, maybe even in everyday life, you know, teach some of us. Neighbors or whatever, you know, even churchgoers. <laughs> so I, I think it's it's a it's a good concept. I, I just I I love it. Yeah, come on, Eliseo, tell me a good story. You've been really quiet over there, and I know I know you've got some some good ideas and and things that maybe we can change our community. <clears throat> uh. <laughs> Come on, you're letting Annalyn. I know. <laughs> say everything. You know, I'm like I like I do what's up we leave here, we go on break.
2: I like a last minute intro. <laughs> Okay, I'll
1: tell you what. Let's take a break and when we come back, we'll listen to Alicia. What well, we we'll get him to explain this. You're listening to Land Man and Sea, the Dave Dwayne show. And I'm Ed
3: Cruz.
4: Women Guam Branch presents The Dish, a monthly program about issues affecting women and girls in our community. The Dish airs on K-57 the last Saturday of the month from noon to 2 p.m. On The Dish, we'll talk about women's health, violence, ageism, workplace equality, financial security, and more. The Dish, serving food for thought on issues that are important to women. Brought to you by the AAUW Guam Branch on k 57
5: Buenas afañeros, Manparentes manatungo. Wahoo si Robert Underwood Tahue e epok hamzo. E programata ifinota guinigi K57 na estasyon. Hata ipontommo, langos isinintemmo, sangani pinitimo, enterramenti gifinota ifinot samoro. Kada lunes gialasays media gipopwenge. Put favor, ifinota with Robert Underwood
0: every Monday night at 6:30 on News Talk K57.
5: K-57 is going green on Thursday nights with Dave Duenas and Man Land and Sea. Tune in for the latest on sustainability, the environment, and everything you need to know to keep our island eco-friendly. Thursdays at 6.30 p.m. sponsored by Bureau of Statistics and Plans Guam Coastal Management Program.
4: Keep your trick-or-treaters safe on Halloween night. When crossing streets, remind them to cross at corners and use crosswalks when available.
0: Don't forget the look left, right, left rule. Look left, then right, and then left again before crossing.
5: Remember, keep all electronic devices out of sight when you're out collecting those sweet treats.
0: You can
4: take those photos when everyone is in a safe area, away from passing vehicles and off the roads.
5: This Halloween safety tip is brought to you by Burger King, the Agana Shopping Center, Mr. Brown, and the stations of Sorenson Media Group. Share the experience of cancer warriors, caregivers, and survivors living on Guam on Sorensen Media Group's My Story. Witness these powerful and emotional stories every first Monday of the month at 6.30 p.m. on ABC7 and the following Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. on Fox 6. Presented by Island Cancer Center, My Story is a Sorensen Media Group production. You
3: know,
4: have
6: and
1: And we're back on man, land, and sea. Have you got a question for our guests? Or a comment, please call us at 477-5757. We're here with Annalyn Palugut and Elicio Silverio, and we're discussing about the effects of uh, b- global warming as well as what man is doing that's affecting land and sea and creating issues for our environment. So what do we want to talk about next? Give me give me an interesting story. I we, we talked about that about how uh, climates have changed and how it's affected sustainability and people's livelihoods.
2: Yeah, uh, during our trip uh, in the Amazon, the Peruvian Amazon, um, we came across uh, a villager that had yellow fever, mm-hmm. and um, our guide was telling us that. In this region, you'll get a lot of yellow fevers, but also in high altitudes. Yeah. So with with global warming happening, um, the levels of temperatures will rise up in higher altitudes, and mosquitoes, you know, will be also in that area of, of the. So they're migrating. Yeah. In yeah. In they're migrating. They're moving up higher, which a lot of the villagers there, you know, they they'll try to live higher and higher, and higher in colder weather, and and it, it's it's better up there because uh, I should say uh, farming and uh, <laughs> so 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 the
1: crops they plant and, and whatever survive better in, in the colder weather. So what they're doing is they're migrating higher and higher to avoid the. The mosquitoes yeah. and 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 uh, you know, take advantage of that because y- y- I was reading somewhere where they they uh, you know pe- people are your body acclimates itself to the environment. So what happens is when you move to a different environment or you're you've got some other forces that affect you, and you're not quite uh, immune to those things, they tend to hit a little harder. So I think it's what, you, what you're indicating, right? That it's just a a change of the environment is really affecting these people. And if they don't have the right health care, mm-hmm. you know, then what happens?
0: Sure. I know, I know that the, uh, one of the villagers were talking about that in that zone, there's only certain people who are living at the lower areas are covered, whereas I guess the government or the health care system there does not, Believe the fact that mosquitoes are starting to go in that region or that area, so the the people who are getting bit by uh, by the mosquitoes and contracting yellow fever, they're not being covered either. Um, Another story was a villager who lives in the Amazon basin; the river that's his livelihood. We would always, you know, he grew up in the in the Peruvian Amazon. He knows all the cat calls, not the cat calls. I'm sorry, the different calls of the animals. He knows how jaguars or pumas sound, even crocodiles and alligators. He just grew up in that environment, living off of the land. And I asked him, okay, so when you're not being a guide in the Peruvian Amazon River, what are you doing? He mentioned that he loved farming. And um, what was so sad was the fact that this year, during the dry season, it was raining a lot mm-hmm. a lot and his harvest for that year was ruined at the fact that there was just so much rain and he wasn't anticipating that so his livelihood was pretty much you know zilch He was supposed to um, to get the money and and live off of that for the rest of the year and it's so sad at the fact that these people who, are sustainable. You know, they live off the land and they don't really contribute to much of, you know, the change in the environment. They are the people who are the most affected. Greatly affected, this. yes. Like even as well as um, Marshall Islands, there was a news clip that came out how, you know, the sea levels are rising. I have a student who was talking about like, he's from Marshall Islands and how they have to build seawalls. To be able to combat the the rising levels of the sea, but you know it's it's only six feet high the atoll, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's already starting to recede, and you're starting to see how the the governor of Marshall Islands is trying to do some mitigation, or he's already thinking about ways to you know to move the people of of the Marshall Islands to another place but it's really sad to to see that the fact that they barely contribute to that and they're, and they're the one they're greatly affected, yeah. yeah. And it's their home and their not just their lives but their home like everything that they know.
1: Well, you see a lot of places, you know, in the news like uh, New Orleans and stuff building levees and and uh, seawalls and stuff like that. And they got these fabulous pumps and uh, then I see in Italy where, you know, places where the gondolas are at and some of these homes now are three feet below sea level. So they built these sea walls and they pumped the water out so that they could still survive in that area. Otherwise, they'd have to move away, right? And that's a, that's an area that's uh, has a lot of tourism. So when you look at that, you're like, wow, what would happen if they just got up and left? Would it be like, uh, you know, the famous Indians of South America that all of a sudden just abandoned their home and disappeared you know what what causes those things is it you know that's that's why you know we, when we were talking earlier i said i'm not so sure about global warming being a hundred percent affected by man it may be uh we have a great deal to do with it but some of it might be planets not being aligned or something you know i don't know what it is uh, natural
7: cycle maybe
1: natural cycle so you know i'm i'm not a hundred percent convinced uh, you know when everybody starts hollering, but you can see people and communities and and stuff that are really being affected. And like you said, it's usually your poorer people that really hit the biggest impact. It's not these big industrialized nations that are pumping out refineries, you know, and stuff like that. And so it it uh, you bring the Marshall I- Islands. That's close to home. If you look at uh, our our land use on Guam, and you look at areas like Inner Rahan, some of these bays, you can see where there's a lot of erosion, uh, seas are rising, and it's taking back you know, some of the land back into the sea. And I remember growing up even in Tumon Bay, the, the, the water was not as deep as it is now. You
0: yeah, would always go running around Tumon yeah, back so in the day, and then now you go there, it's like you can barely...
1: Yeah, and in high, wo- <laughs> high tide, right, there's hardly <laughs> anywhere to run. Because the tides are up where the old high water mark was mm-hmm. at so it's a it's it's a very interesting thing and and a, and I read up every day about it I, I want to know you know what are we doing to change it what are we doing and it goes back to like even we were talking earlier about the power plant you know we're, we're still going to be burning fossil fuel uh, even though it's low sulfur diesel uh we're not really going as fast as we'd like to in in renewable energy you know and solar or wind or uh, ocean thermal or you know something else. I, I heard a fabulous story at one time where there are these geysers in the uh, you know surrounding area around the Mariana's Trench that we could harness some kind of energy out of it by having some kind of turbine and you know of course the value of it would depend on whatever the investment is which would probably be billions and billions of dollars we couldn't afford it but we've got to do something you know. Uh, too bad we can't capture on typhoons, take the energy off the typhoons, and make it make something that we could store in a battery. You know, even battery technology's not 100%. You know, it's not quite there yet. So when I when I hear things like that, I think, man, you know, we we got to educate ourselves to to find better ways. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: not because of it's convenient. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, or it's profitable, or what? You sure. know, whatever it is, right? So, like in some places they use uh, liquid natural gas powered trucks, they, 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 they burn a lot cleaner and everything rather than the diesel we have here. Um, some of your California cities are already really pushing that. And so, why haven't we done that here, you know, why haven't we gone to liquid natural gas, why haven't, and it's because, like you said, convenience, price. Uh, you know what's the cost of living going to be like you know can we afford to survive on this island by shipping everything in um you know we we've got to there's got to be a breaking point there where we can just say stop you know let's do this i i was really a big proponent about taking the schools and having solar panels put on every school if you did that and you did the, a whole bunch of homes the amount of energy that you create would would make a difference i think uh there was that plan about Guamoro Hospital. we were going to put solar panels on the roof. Well, I made a big joke about it. I said, "If you put enough solar panels up there, never mind the leaks because you'll cover it. You'll be a new roof. You know, you don't have to fix the leaks anymore." They keep talking about it's going to cost millions of dollars. So those things are 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 you know things items for discussion, right? What are we doing? You know, what does it cost? Maybe it's cheaper to roof. Let's let's put solar panels. You know, <coughs> but sometimes it's 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 what's interesting is. What you were just talking about. Maybe it's not popular. Maybe it's not convenient. Maybe we, we've already tapped out on our capital improvement, you know, uh, bond borrowing power. So, what do we do? You know, we, we need to change as a community because I, I think personally that if we don't and we continue what we're doing, we're going to outprice ourselves out of being able to survive on Guam. We're gonna have so many people on public assistance because they've given up. You know, they're like, Forget it. I can't I can't afford to live on minimum wage or can't afford to, you know and and I keep hearing this story, the rumors saying, Oh man, just make more kids, get more tax write off, and get more public assistance. Come on, that's a bad idea. Bad, bad idea, you know? Um, but you hear these stories and you hear people having those solutions that's not the right solutions right we're, we're trying to teach our kids the right solutions uh, but maybe by giving them research projects mm-hmm. in science projects you know what can we do to uh, survive you know I, I uh, at a sustainability conference they were you making paper out of banana leaf they were making uh, drinking straws and other stuff out of out of natural products. Mm-hmm. I remember back in the day we kept saying, don't cut trees, don't cut trees, we're ruining the environment. Get plastic, you know, save the environment. Now we're saying, get rid of the plastic, <laughs> cut more trees, make more natural products that we can use, right? So the concept is flipped upside down, right?
0: True.
1: So if you read a, a textbook from many years ago, then you read a textbook now, they would contradict each other to some... Extent right? Engineering is like that. As engineers, we try to design buildings a certain way. And so now the the whole concept is changing. What kind of materials we use? Um, What 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 do we do to save on air conditioning or whatever? Look look at the schools. We went to all air conditioned schools. Well, what did that do for the environment? You know, we're burning fossil fuel there. Uh, Could have been a better way. We had some way for cross ventilation and save some money and save some... I went to JFK when we didn't have air conditioning. But in
0: elementary school, we yeah. survived without AC. And,
1: and we <laughs> still <laughs> learn, but, but there was a point made that because of global warming, the temperatures are rising. Uh, even the the items we used to construct the schools, they built Simon Sanchez with no windows basically.
2: Mm.
1: And so what did that do? It forced us to have air conditioning up there. And One school gets air conditioning, the other schools say, we want air conditioning. <laughs> so that was a, I remember that argument way back when, when they said, oh, well, you got to have air conditioning. That's essential to the child's learning. Well, what about other countries that didn't do that? What about us that were educated in the 60s and 70s with no air conditioning, you know? you know could we afford to not have air conditioning and yet use that money for something else so that goes back to that theoretical idea right and and uh, educating students to to think out of the box basically to to find solutions to uh you know if you if you read about all the great people in in this world uh, a lot of them were actually poor people that found Ways to create things or invent things that made a difference, you know. So I think that's a, that's a very inter- interesting discussion. That I think many of you teachers are already, you know, on that in the classroom, right? Yes, yeah, for
0: sure. Like, trying to be innovative, innovative, and I know STEM. STEM is also something that's starting to generate a lot of like discussion. A lot of them are implementing that. I personally, you know, I'm, I'm an ELL teacher, and I focus on reading, writing, listening, and speaking, so STEM is usually what the regular classroom teachers do, a lot of, like, the science and math teachers. Right. They focus, and, you know, they focus on that just so that they help their students become innovative, critical thinkers to think out of the box, like what you were saying. When,
1: when you were getting educated, what's what was an important uh, science project or something that you can remember of that was kind of like, interesting and on the cutting edge do you remember anything any physics project or any science
0: to be honest at that time i know i loved science um miss sunga was my middle school teacher she was big on on being um active in the science fair right. but it was more so things that really connected or i c- that i could connect with so my science for project was like how do our sleep habits affect our? how do our sleeping habits affect our daily lives but it was never Like cutting edge is what's happening now with, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math.
1: But it's important because productivity.
0: That's true. (laughs) You know,
1: there's a discussion that that, uh, most Americans now, they get paid for eight hours and they produce four hours, five hours. Because the rest of the time they're either fiddling on their phones or they're doing Mm -hmm. something else or they're in the break room or whatever. So so when you talk about that, you know, I, I mean, I've seen employees sleep on the job.
0: It's so it's encouraged, it like in Japan, right? Yeah.
1: So so the discussion amongst businessmen is not to raise a minimum wage without having to do something to increase productivity. Because businessmen say, well, if you increase my productivity, I can afford to pay you an extra dollar, two dollars, reward you, right? So that that was something that I was discussing with the senators. I said, maybe the minimum wage is not the right way to go. Maybe we should encourage productivity, or maybe we should encourage education, so they would, you know, work the next step level by getting uh, an education in something, whether it be vocational or something technical, becoming, you know, from just not a worker but going to be a, you know, in a restaurant being a cook or being a manager or, or in in a, a workshop an auto dealership maybe being a technician or or somebody, you know, instead of just being the guy watching the car, saying, oh yeah, run the car through here, right? So that was an interesting thing because I remember many years ago I did an internship with General Motors Corporation, and that was a concept that they were trying to tout, you know, with us. They were trying to get us to encourage productivity. So they, they initiated some bonus uh, programs where if you produce X number of parts regularly, but you happen to exceed it by X number, you know, per day or whatever, you got a bonus check. And I think. When you look at the, the pay scale, wages, I think that's what the key is to inspiring people to be more productive and whatever. And then it goes back to the same thing we're talking about the environment. If you inspire people to be more conscious, to get rid of their trash, to use less plastic, to use uh, you know more reusable things like s- steel straws, uh, you know regular uh, rewashable porcelain plates instead of styrofoam or paper, then I think that's where the businesses start to save money and then they say, Oh yeah, if I can bring the price down. But do they bring the price down? That's a million dollar question, right? And that's the legislature's always said that, you know, oh yeah, we could give a tax break or we can roll back the business privilege tax, but will the businesses pass the savings law. You know? You can't force it, right? but you can inspire. And that's where your job comes in, right?
0: (laughs) So can you tell me how you inspire these kids? To be honest, kids, uh, to inspire someone, kids are, kids are always watching you as a person, as a teacher. You don't think that they're that observant, you know, you think that they're really ingrained and just, you know, doing their work, but Every little thing, they do observe you, and so they would ask me, like, Ms. Pillagood, why why is it that you're always, you know, why do you have the reusable bag, or why is it that you're always eating vegetables and fruit? You know, they see all these little habits that I do, and then when you're so passionate about something, then it becomes contagious the kids just can't help but want to also learn more about it as well so I always believe that it always starts from individual change and then from there like I said you plant the seeds and it's just like a ripple effect
1: yeah one of the things that uh, I'm a member of is the John F. Kennedy High School Alumni Association and one of our projects we're getting ready to do is we're going to have basically little posters that are by famous people. And what it's there for is they'll be posted in different areas of the school and it's there to inspire students. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, Terry Stotts, who played basketball at John F. Kennedy's High School, went to college, played college ball. Went to Italy, played co- uh, European basketball there. then now he's the Portland Trailblazers head coach. What better is it to encourage kids to chase your dream, mm-hmm. to to live, you know, whatever interests you. Uh, another one might be uh, Judge B.J. Cruz. You know, <laughs> look how many hats he's worn. Senator, uh, public auditor, you know, judge. Holy smokes. Madeline Verdango is another one. You know, she's, she's done every job. I don't think there's any that she hasn't done. She's been a DJ. She's been a, a broadcaster. You know, She's been everything, I think. And, you know, even the delegate, right? The only thing that she didn't become was the first female governor, but she was a lieutenant governor. And when the governor was off-island, she made a lot of tough choices. So those kind of people, I think, do the same thing you do. They plant the seed, they inspire. And so that's one of our programs. We're going to have people like that that made a difference and have them put that. So when the kids come through that doors to the school, first thing they're going to see is something that I wanted to put up there, and I'm not sure if I could afford it, but it looks like we're going to do it. At John F. Kennedy High School, when you walk into school, it's going to have some big plaque that says, through these great halls, our our great leaders are created. Something to that effect, right? So when they walk in, they see that, and they see, oh, wow, look at this. Manessa Lujan, she became a Supreme Court Justice. Uh, Dr. Olivia Cruz, she became the first female a physician, a Timor physician on Guam, things like that—they inspire. They put plant the seeds in the student. Uh, they make a better citizen. That's what I think. The foundation comes from teachers like yourself, people that inspire people in the community. Well, we're getting to the top of the hour, and uh, want to thank everybody. This is Man Land and Sea. And it was brought to you by Guam Coastal Management Program Bureau of Statistics and Plans. And hope to see you or hear from you next Thursday night. Dave Duanis will be back. This is his show. I'm Ed Cruz. Just sitting in for him. Wish you a good night.
5: Now at 800-899-8922. That's 800-899-8922. Eighty-nine
0: twenty-two. News Talk Eight Fifty Seven.
5: It's where people go for the news, for the talk, riveting, engaging, absorbing, fascinating. It's where people go to
3: talk, news talk.
4: The American Association of University Women, Guam Branch presents The Dish, a monthly program about issues affecting women and girls in our community. The Dish airs on K-57 the last Saturday of the month from noon to 2 p.m. On The Dish, we'll talk about women's health, violence, ageism, workplace equality, financial security, and more. The Dish, serving food for thought on issues that are important to women. Brought to you by the AAUW Guam Branch on News K-57. won't know what hit it. There's a new era of WWE Smackdown on Fox. Featuring your favorite WWE superstars all ready to put the smack back in Smackdown. Catch the Queen, Charlotte Flair, the Big Dog, Roman Reigns, and me, Becky Lynch, the man. Friday Night Smackdown on Fox.
0: WWE Smackdown, every Saturday at 1 p.m. Only on Fox 6 Guam and Saipan.
7: Half a day, this is Ton from Wise Owl Animal Hospital. Wise Owl cares for our community and continues to be an ultra modern veterinary clinic. If you're like me, your pet is like a
4: son or a daughter. So it is hard to go on a vacation when you'll be leaving them behind. So board your pet with confidence, knowing they will get the best care, love and attention. Call us today at 646-CARE. Wise Owl, we are your other family doctor. This bi-local message is brought to you by Sorenson Media Group and Wise Owl Animal Hospital
5: hardships struggle perseverance hope support experience the incredible and powerful stories of men and women afflicted with cancer and their resilience to overcome the disease in Sorensen media group's my story premiering every first monday of the month at 6 30 p.m on abc 7 and the following wednesday at 7 30 p.m on fox 6. presented by island cancer center my story is a Sorensen media group production
1: to welcome you back. You're listening to Land, Man, and Sea, and it's brought to you by the Guam Coastal and Management Program Bureau of Statistics and Plans. You're on Newstalk K57. If you want to call in and ask us a question for the guests or myself, the phone number is 477-5757. You can stream us live on our free app. Just search for Newstalk K57 on your device, your phone, or iPad or whatever you may have, you can watch us on Facebook at Newstalk K7, or you can visit us at our website, that's K7.com on-air. And we have guests in studio, Anna Lynn Pelugut and Alicio Silverio. And uh, Anna Lynn is the uh, Way 2003 president from John F. Kennedy High School, and she's also the Guam Department of Education 2019 Teacher of the Year. So welcome back. If you have a question, please call in. Um, I, during the break, I was talking to Elicio uh, Silverio, one of the guests, and uh, he was telling me an interesting story. So I'm I'm not going to waste any of the time. I'm going to I want to I want him to share that with you, Elicio. Uh,
2: which one? Which uh, which story?
1: Uh, both of them actually. The one the one about Nepal, Nepal and and uh, you know even even places like that with the trash would be a good start, and mm-hmm. then maybe we could talk about your other travels
2: okay yeah 2016 we visited uh, Everest base camp and while trekking through that region we've come across tons and tons of trash Uh, just recently I think last year they did a a trash cleanup around that area and they picked up so much trash where it's more than what the villagers you know in that area can carry um. that was pretty uh, it's more of an eye, uh, an eye opener because you're high up in the mountains and there's trash that's up there in that I area I
1: remember watching a National Geographic special
2: and I
1: didn't see any garbage and I had been talking to an Air Force pilot that flew through that area and he says man we flew over that area and there is all kinds of stuff Debris around, you know, and I said, Oh, was it from a plane crash or something happened? He said, No, when those guys pack up there and they bring their support stuff, they leave it there. And so, when I saw a news story, I think it was on CNN that had the news story about it, and saw how much garbage was there, and it, you know, we're not talking about one year's worth of garbage, it's a collection that, you know, years and years and years. And I was just so amazed that you know that it was incredible so i i mean you you think that you go to someplace pristine and <laughs> then you turn the corner and there's our footprint there's man's footprint we you know affected a bad thing to the environment so even even uh you know Mount Everest or whatever you know we were talking off off the air during the break about that about uh, adventures up there, and I thought it was pretty neat and and uh, you guys shared a, a couple of the stories tell tell me some
2: other story i want i want to hear i want to pick your brain <laughs> uh another one uh, uh recently we just visited the uh, patagonia and um we seen the grey glacier in that region uh it's in chile we visited the chile area of the uh, patagonia and we saw a photo that was maybe 1980, somewhere around the 80s where the glacier was completely like full it was full before right now it's maybe around I should say 50% melted and during that time I asked my guide I go okay uh, what would you do if the glacier melted I mean what would be your job I mean you're here to take us to see this beautiful glacier and at this pace right now, it's 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 rapidly melting. And he just sat there and be like, "Ah, oh, you're right. I wouldn't know what to do if <laughs> this glacier is gone because this this is the reason why people come over here in Patagonia. I mean, to s- s- see this beautiful glacier. And that glacier also supplies uh, fresh water, you know, through the villages and through the areas that's near it. And and bringing that up." we would talk about uh, climate refugees. I mean, you know, like settlements there. If there's no water there, they would just basically move to another area that has fresh water. And and it's quite sad to see that um, the it, world... It's happening everywhere. Yeah, it, it, is, it is happening everywhere. And um, that you can never bring back. I mean, glaciers, you can't never... You know, yeah, and I it's
1: think. an eye opener to see things like that and changes, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it does. It yeah, does. it go, goes goes uh, back to I, I used to travel to Chuuk all the time and do some diving over there, and, and I was so fascinated. You know, it's just so beautiful. I go through Palau and and see the beautiful things there. And one day we went to a separate island in Chuuk, and I said, "Wow, man, this place is great." The island was trash. Apparently, the tour groups that went through there, every time they took another group, they would dispose of the trash there. And I said, man, someday this is going to really get really bad. Well, apparently, many years later, I was talking to another dive master that went down there with a group, and he told me that during a storm, a lot of that trash got taken in the ocean. And now it's in some areas where the divers go. And so now uh, the practice is they don't take tourist divers into those areas because, you know, it's, a, it's been affected by man. And so that to me, you know, was was a, an eye opener. I said, wow, you know, Guam could be like that. You know, you go to the fish eye park or go somewhere else to go diving or, or even to Tumon Bay and you go in the ocean and then you step on a piece of glass and get cut or you look down and you think, oh, there's a beautiful fish there and all of a sudden you go to touch it and there's all this buried plastic. You know, what? What what impact? you know that our tourism is so fragile? Uh, you know so many things can affect our environment because of what we do. And yeah, and our tourism is is, is our main industry here. Well, may, second, I, maybe to the military, you know that, that's a big impact on us. But if we don't protect our, our places that tourists want to come and see. You know, they're not coming back. And they're gonna spread the word that, oh, don't go there. There's nothing to see but trash. And for a while there, uh that was a picture that was painted uh by the media and even some conferences they were talking about that their guests would go to the parks and they'd see nothing but garbage. Statue of Liberty Park, uh, you know, uh Nimitz Beach. Um, even some other parks around the south that you would think would never be trash because, you know, like in any country, your areas that, that the commercial activity hasn't affected so much is usually the the last to be affected by, you know, the effects of garbage and, and other things, right? But on Guam, it seems like it's everywhere. I You know, I, I travel on, on roadways in the north here and see rows and rows of garbage inside the, the road. I see the mayors come and clean it up next weekend there's a bunch of drinkers there and here it goes mm-hmm. And even aluminum cans you think oh yeah they can recycle that somebody will pick it up get some money Well, the price of recycling now is so bad that a lot of people are like wow you know i i worked so hard for a day i go to recycle it and i get twenty dollars i didn't even pay for my gas <laughs> and my lunch you know and so it goes back to uh, the education you know we we educate our kids And we hope they'll grow to be politicians someday and they'll find solutions like we were talking about. And we hope that they'll have an incentive or some way that they would create programs where uh, it would encourage and inspire people to clean up after themselves, to to recycle, to be more sustainable. I I wish there was a a billion dollars that I could say to everybody that, that tries to be a better citizen on this island by disposing of their waste properly, by uh, cutting down on products that they buy that create generate a lot of waste, that I could give them an award. You know, give them $100 or something to help them with their education or their, you know, livelihood or something. Be- but there's no magic, you know, in any of that. You know, we we just have to be better citizens. Mm-hmm,
0: exactly. I definitely agree with you. <laughs> For sure. I mean, it, it comes down to, like the reason why humans in general do things is the fact that it's convenient but i guess over time when you begin to learn and you educate yourself and you become aware and more mindful in your habits then i guess that's when you start to sh- you know your paradigm shifts you start to make those shifts and i guess it started off in as an individual and then seeing that like okay definitely i would love to plant the seeds and so i would love to do that with my students through education yeah it's a it's
1: it's, it's amazing because you know i people ask me how's it like living on guam and i said well like any other place it's you pay for what you get so if we don't clean up our island you know somebody's got to pay for it to go clean it up somebody's got to pay to dispose so what happens politicians bring more Taxes, right? Increase taxes. Uh, businesses increase their costs. You know, oh, we got to do this and that. So, let's bring up the pri- the consumer price of of goods. So it's everything we do that's what affects the cost of living here. Uh, whether it be power, whether it be water. If we contaminate our waterlands, guess what? Yeah, we'll get good water, but they're going to have to pay to filter it. They're going to pay to treat it. And then what happens to the cost of water? Goes up. Same thing with power. Uh, the big big deal we we've been talking about in the media lately about the new power plant. You know they. Uh, I, I I go back and forth on Facebook arguing with, uh, you know some of my friends like Simon Sanchez and Mike Limtiaco and them, and we talk about uh, the price of power being so expensive. Well, we're probably not going to be able to afford it soon. So I said, yeah, you know uh, you guys probably made a good deal negotiating for that new power plant. But just based on looking at what the increase of price is going to be for electricity, especially if fuel comes up, many aren't going to be able to afford it. They're going to be living out there in the jungle, and they're going to be cutting down trees. They're going to be burning garbage and everything, whatever they need to do to to sustain life. Um, I see it out there already where people can't afford water and sewers. So what they do is they go down to the baseball field, and they haul water for whatever they need to do, to bathe, to drink. But yet, they have a toilet there, and the outfall pipe just goes out in the yard. goes back to dengue fever, you know. If we don't watch the way we control our environment, we're going to have outbreaks like dengue fever, uh, malaria, stuff like that. So it all goes back. I said, you know, what? what did it cost for us to fight this dengue fever, to do the cleanup? I know a good friend of mine, uh, George Flores who works for the Island Beautification Task Force and they went out to Dededo and they did some cleanups on whatever you know it costs money somebody's got to pay for it you got staff you got DPW you got Guam Solid Waste you got the mayor's council that costs where does that money come from it comes from the taxpayers uh, it doesn't come you know out of the sky so i tell people i said what you do as a community member on our island, affects us all. Uh, you know, it, it affects what we have to pay for, even the roads. You know, if, if you don't take care of your roadways, they're going to deteriorate. You being a teacher, what is the the nicest school that is in the GDOE um, <laughs> inventory? Can I ask you? you-
0: I would say that- the newer schools, of course, obviously, but they are under uh, contract with with Cortec.
1: Well, John F. Kennedy is under uh, an an investment uh, firm, a a group of of people, um, namely uh, one guy that I know, Robert Tokas, and I asked Bobby Adamos, uh, the current principal there, I said, why is your school looking so much better, you know? She says, Ed, that's a stupid question, you should know that. It's because it's on the on the lease back, right? So they do all the maintenance and everything. At one point of time, the Tabuning Mayor did the the grass cutting, like all the mayors on the island. They got the money and they went and cut the grass at all the schools. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough to to provide for that. So GDOE took it back, and the lease back schools like John F Kennedy, they decided they'd just do it in house. They do everything maintenance in house and everything. So I did a site inspection at the school. I said, wow, this school's beautiful you know it's already been here a few years it's established Um, what happens if an air conditioner goes down and Bobby Adamos told me she said we just call 15 minutes later there's somebody there looking at it and if it can be fixed right away they fix it right away I said why can't Guam Department of Education be that way and it goes back to politics and everything else you know if you don't have enough money and us taxpayers aren't providing enough for them to uh, you know take care of the, their infrastructure and politicians aren't giving them the budget they need, what's going to happen? Of course it's going to go downhill, right? Same thing with the roadways. I just worked on a bill about uh, the weight limitation of truckers, you know, and try, trying to find a happy median of how to maintain the roadways but yet still allow commerce to, to flow without increasing the consumer cost of of goods. So everything goes that way. Uh, speaking to Senators, I, I, I often talk to Senators about budgeting, you know, I said, you know, there's a couple departments you guys cut and look at it now, they're lacking, right? So you know, the famous thing to do is they do an oversight hearing and then they go back, they try to appropriate more money, they try to identify money, uh, you know, recently we got the word out that uh, there's some surplus monies and the Governor chose that they want to pay down the debt, which is a good idea. The needs of our community sometimes outweigh that. If you look at the the Guam Memorial Hospital, you know, they're lacking so bad. Now they're talking about building a brand new hospital because it's so far gone. Our environment is going to be like that. We've got all that trash. So when do we make the point where, never mind, let's all go move, you know, or let's go get another island. We'll start from scratch again. I wish it was that easy, but it's not, you know. Many times residents move away because of that, you know, it,
0: but it goes back to education, right? It goes back definitely to education. It goes back to prevention rather than intervention at the last minute, right? Like you prevent things. If there's something wrong or there's something broken, you ask for a repair. 15 minutes, it's it fixed. You know, it's fixed. That's
3: Whereas the way it should be. We don't,
0: yeah, exactly. In, in all areas of our life, Right to help, right. With, to if, help if you, with the problem. If like you
1: get an ailment, you feel sick, what do you do? You go to the doctor, yeah. you go to the clinic, right? So everything should work that way, and it should be, when you educate individuals, when they start their life, it should be, where you got a, a thought process, you know, say, okay, if I feel sick, this is what I do. That's what I do. Unfortunately, there's these side things that affect it. One of them is money. You know, if you don't have health care, what do you do? Well, I can't I can't go to the clinic, I can't afford it." So then you start having a breakdown and then all of a sudden you're at the emergency room and all of a sudden the costs escalate. You need surgery or you need, you know, something. Um, and that's what's happening to our, our, our government of Guam, is that we're not taking care of the body, you know. And it's, it, it, but it's a, it's a billion dollar question, what do you do, which one do you fund? You look at education. University of Guam. There's another one that just popped up. Tuition's increasing. What do we do when when college students decide they don't want to go to UOG, they want to go off island, and then they don't come back? What do we achieve? You want to keep them on island. You want to teach them the right way. You want them to be leaders in our community. Um, you know, maybe it's good for them to go off island and get an education, get some experience, but the thing I, I keep hearing high school graduates that go off island is they all have the desire to come back. I have a daughter that goes to the uh, University of uh, South Florida, and she's uh, got her master's in medicine, and she wants to be a doctor. So she's applying to medical school right now. And her goal is to come back. So I applaud those. You know, those are the ones that were taught properly, they were taught that. Uh, We take care of our own, we do what's best for the community. And every time I hear an inspiring story from a a teacher like you, I just, you know, it just touches my heart, you know, uh, I'm like, oh yeah, she was raised right, you know, I I hope everybody is raised like that. And then I hear Alicio, you know, he's got a lot of good ideas and, and good values also. But then we have some people that weren't that fortunate. TEACHERS DIDN'T IDENTIFY THEM AND, and MAKE CONTACT WITH THEM. Uh, I HAVE A GRANDDAUGHTER THAT'S AT ST. JOHN'S SCHOOL. AND LET ME TELL YOU, SOME OF THE THINGS SHE COMES HOME AND TALKS ABOUT, AND SHE'S ONLY IN KINDERGARTEN. AND SHE'S LIKE, OH, YOU KNOW, PAPA, THIS IS WHAT WE GOT TO DO, YOU KNOW, YOU CAN'T DO THIS, OR, or DON'T SPEED. <laughs> THE RISK OF SPEEDING, YOU MIGHT DIE, YOU KNOW. SO SHE'S she's LEARNING TO MANAGE AND FIND SOLUTIONS TO HOW TO SURVIVE, how to HOW TO BE SELF-SUSTAINING. Uh, you know, she tells me you know when you take a shower, don't don't keep the water on. You're gonna waste water. People need that water, <laughs> you know. And then I, I tease her. I say, you know, but you know GWA where that comes from. 50% of their water is wasted through leaks, right? <laughs> and she looks at me. She goes, what? And even being a kindergartner, you know, that's a, that's that's pretty crazy to, to listen to a, a young child like that. But I think our children are our key to success. Key to being self-sustaining. Key to being good citizens. Key to being leaders.
0: Key to a brighter future. A brighter future. To a world that we dream of, right? That's yes.
1: For sure. And for that everything. that goal, even though it's way up there, you know, we can still achieve it. So that's a uh, that's pretty incredible. You got anything else to tell me? I I love your story. Thank
0: you so much. Um, I actually was one of those people. You know, I was. Uh, I was thinking, okay, you know, I was afforded a a bit of a scholarship to go to University of Southern California and, you know, to teach uh, um, under the degree of teaching English to speakers of other languages. And, you know, there were a lot of opportunities.
5: And that was the Pacific News Center rebroadcast right here on News Talk K57. We are KGUMAM in Aganya, Guam. And now it's time for Man Land and Sea with Dave Duenas.
7: it Good evening. Welcome to Man, Land, and Sea. 35 minutes after 6, Newstock K57. Yes, we got an environmental talk show. Jeremy, thank you for that song. Love that song.
5: No problem. I love Calipana too.
7: The late, great Maccuffury. What'll I do? We got some guests coming in a little later. Man, Land, and Sea is brought to you by the Guam Coastal Management Program and the Bureau of Statistics and Plans. Thank you for sponsoring the show and I'm brought to you by once again got some guests coming in there you know tomorrow time passionately late <laughs> but that's okay gives me time to talk about a few things uh speaking of such uh, you know we brought past shows i did a show on the stray dogs and illegal dump sites i met a good friend met him this afternoon matter of fact and he brought it to my attention he said dave you know, I got a question. I listen to your show. I really like it. And you know, when uh, conservation officers uh, find people fishing at uh, at the preserves or fishing illegally at certain places, if they get caught, they confiscate their fishing gear, their vehicles. You know, poaching for that matter. And I said, yeah, they do. I said, he goes, why? can't we do something like that for people that dump illegally confiscate their car cop, you know, do something I said, yeah first we've got to catch them <laughs> first we've got to catch them but I said, you know, Jess a good friend, Jess good idea you know, we do that for people that are poaching illegally fishing in the, the marine preserves you will have your gear and uh, confiscate it including your vehicle so, good idea Four seven seven five seven five seven. That is the number to call. Should you have any questions or comments, uh, again, I uh, do have some guests coming in. And like I said, tomorrow time. You know, they're passionately late. Hopefully, uh, they're listening. in. To, oops, I'm supposed to be in. Uh, supposed to get an individual from the USDA, Mr. Jeff Flores, supposed to be coming in. Miss Diane Vice, he's the wildlife supervisor with the Guam with uh, Department of Agriculture, Division of Aquatic and Wildlife Resources, as as well as a conservation officer himself to come in, Mr. Uh, Nathan Rias. And we're going to talk about all the different, uh, what kind of laws they have in regards to stray dogs. Well, excuse me, uh, I wanted to talk to them about stray dogs and the feral pig issues. As you know, feral pigs are all over Agate and Santa Rita, and what can we do and what assistance can the government provide to, you know, people like the mayor's office is having a difficult time. So I invited them to come in, uh, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk exactly about that uh, as soon as they get here. Um, once again, uh, the roads are slick, so I can understand. Drive, drive careful now. We don't end the show till eight o'clock, uh, but in the meantime, you got something you want to talk about? By all means, give me a call, four seven seven five seven five seven. That is the number to call, and we'll talk about that. One of the biggest things I'd love to talk about is uh, trash. I talk trash. <laughs> yeah, that's what got me to uh, motivated me to do this show. Uh, I just really got fed up with the illegal dump sites. And speaking of that. Um, Mention again. Mention it many times. Take my daughter to school every morning. She goes to Maria Joa Elementary in Dedido And there's this road between Dedido Middle School, Benavente Middle School, and Maria Joa. And there's, like, a road in between them. I call it a buffer strip or a buffer road. But every single time, it gets trashed. Trashed. You know, it's a... It's kind of like in between the two schools, and nobody can see it. Uh, And I guess that's why they uh, they dump illegally. Um, I've mentioned as well on the show. Hopefully, uh, people will take me seriously. But uh, I said I can neither confirm or deny. But don't be surprised. One day, one day, as you're out there dumping illegally, someone's going to pop out of the jungle and say, "Hold it, hold it." You know, flashlight on them and everything, and uh, it just might happen very soon. So those of you who take it upon yourself to dump illegally around the entire island, actually not just Dededo, but uh, beware, beware. We're going to get you. We're going to catch you, and uh, we'll see what we can do about introducing some laws or bills that can, uh, if you are caught illegally dumping. We're going to confiscate your vehicle. Um, During the oversight hearing that uh, our good Senator Sabina Flores, uh, Paris, sorry, Flores Paris, she did a a public hearing or a roundhouse uh, of all the uh, government agencies involved to address the illegal dumping. One of the ideas that came about uh, was to initiate a hotline. And uh, they actually, good Angel Sablone, Executive director of the mayor's council came up with the idea, which I thought was a really good one. Hasn't been implemented as of yet, but we're definitely the senators are thinking about it. Put it into a, uh, put it into a bill and get it introduced, and hopefully get a hotline. A hotline, and we're going to call it Busta ibasula, Busta ibasula. And uh, the hotline will will be a hotline you call up if you see something, say something. You know, the same concept. You see something, say something. You see a pickup truck loitering around the jungle with a whole bunch of trash in the back in the middle of the night. you got to be suspicious. What is that guy doing driving around the jungle with a bunch of white goods and trash? You see something, say something. You can do that now even though the uh, program has not been stood up. Bustay Basula. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure it does get... Uh, somehow get implemented I think it's an awesome idea and I give Angel Angel Sublan all the kudos for that I thought it was a great idea and uh, once again Basta Ibasula <laughs> you know, that means I'm, I'm Chamorro Pulasser but Basta Ibasula means uh, stop the trash yeah I believe it does mm, Basta Basula. I like the name really do Once again, uh, we're going to be talking about feral pigs and uh, stray dogs. Stray dogs, I had the uh, good mayor of Jigo in the studio uh, a couple weeks ago, and we had the game president, Mr. Cyrus, and Allison, the executive manager of the game facilities in Jigo. We were talking about that, and as I was setting up this show for today, I I did get a hold of the uh, Department of Agriculture, and I was talking to him about how many dog cages do you have and I was really surprised to learn that uh, the department of uh, you know they ha- they do have dog cages they used to lend them out to the general public or to the mayors or who you know whoever needs them actually but I was really shocked to hear that uh, they have about two cages <laughs> two cages then you kind of wonder why we have a problem with stray dogs. Two cages. That's not going to do too much. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, we don't lend them out to the public anymore. Hmm, why not? Well, we never get them back. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. That's the uh, maybe borrow a your cage and then you got to look for me to borrow it back. So you know that's that issue in itself, and uh, again, you put that together with why we have a stray dog problem. We don't have enough. How many conservation officer or uh, animal control officers do you have? Well, we got about I think two or three. <laughs> wow, you definitely need to spruce that up as well. So once again, uh, you know, why do we have a stray dog issue? Well. We don't have enough cages. We don't have enough animal control officers out there to take care of the problem. Then it was uh it was in the news. I didn't make this up, uh the mayor's, I back and Santa Rita said there's wild pigs, feral pigs just coming into the residential areas and just creating havoc in people's property, you know, tearing up their lawns, tearing up, getting into the trash. So I started asking you know dog cages won't work dog cages are too flimsy the pigs would destroy them and they have they have I know that because one of the mayors told me that uh, you know they put the dog trap trap out to hopefully catch catch a dog you know the stray dogs and unfortunately uh, sometimes they would catch a stray you mean a wild pig the wild pig would definitely tear it up. So I said, well, isn't there a cage that's specifically designed for pigs? And yes, there is. And we do have them on the island. And that's with the USDA office. They do have a cage for pigs. Little did I know, I was being educated as I was uh, researching this, and uh, the cage is called a corral cage, a corral cage, and it's it's lifted off the ground a few feet, maybe three to five feet, and it can be remotely activated, which I thought was really cool. Again, the, just be visualize it, it's a big cage, it's off the ground about three to, three to four feet maybe. Uh, hopefully they'll come in and they'll give me the exact... Anyway. It is remotely controlled. You can control it with your smartphone. You can control it at your PC, at your office. You don't physically have to be at the location that you're trying to catch these feral pigs. You don't, which I thought was really, really cool. And like uh, stray dogs, feral pigs are very smart. Dogs and pigs, they're fairly smart. And the concept with the Corral Remote Reactivated activated cages, the corral, and they're specifically for pigs, is, uh, excuse me, um, they would monitor it. They have, it's video. You can see it on your smartphone or in your PC. You can see the uh, video at the location that you're trying to catch these uh, feral pigs, wild pigs, and again, the old-fashioned pig traps is, it would be activated by a, a rope or a stick or something. But you only catch about one or two, and then the rest of the pigs say, ooh, and they, they caught my cousin. <laughs> and they wouldn't go near the cage after that. Same, same goes with the dogs. They're very smart, very smart animals. So with the corral uh, cages that USDA, USDA has in their possession, they, again, can remotely control it. And when they see a whole bunch of pigs, Underneath the cage, that's when they would uh, activate the cage. You can catch as upwards of 10, 15, 20 pigs at a time. Um, again, uh, hopefully they'll be coming into the studio very soon. I'm sure you'd like to know, and I would like to know a little bit more detail about uh, how that all works. And uh, is it available to the mayors? And is there a fee for it? I I don't know. I need to ask them and. 48 minutes after 6, everybody's uh, dinner time. You're listening to Land and Sea. I'm Dave Duenas. And once again, thank you to the Bureau of Statistics and Plans, Guam Coastal Management Program for sponsoring the show. It's a great pleasure to uh, to do this show. You know, again, uh, our environment is very fragile. We need to do everything we can to ensure that we leave a nice, clean, Environment, safe environment for our next generation, our children, our grandchildren. And again, you know, what got me, I got really excited about doing an environmental talk show was I just got totally fed up with the amount of trash. The amount of trash that people just don't care, you know. It's all about a mindset. We need to change their attitude do whatever we can to ensure that that practice stops we definitely do once again uh... not sure what's going on with Jeremy my guests are not here yet uh, I don't know well, that's okay that's okay we could talk we could talk about again that was just uh, a lot of questions for especially as the with that corral pig cage that's remotely activated. I thought that was such a good idea. Why aren't the mayors using it? You know, particularly, specifically, in Agate and or Santa Rita were. It was in the news. Again, not making this up. You heard about it. You read about it. That they have a lot of problems with uh, the pigs are now coming into the urban areas. And, uh, I don't know. You know, they're clearing a bunch of a bunch of the jungle for the uh, military uh, shooting range. Could that have something to do with it? Or are they losing their habitat that they just happen to say, well, I don't got nowhere else to go? Let me go check out uh, Leequin Terrace do <laughs> I don't know, but they're definitely uh, encroaching in the uh, urban areas and creating a big problem. So, you know, with that said, uh, we got to do something. And with this feral pig cage that you can activate remotely, I thought that would be so good. I don't know how many how many of them that uh u s d a have in their possession, and uh are the mayors actively asking requesting, can we use it or you know again i I don't know i i apologize i uh, I was hoping they'll begin here. I don't know where are they they probably have traffic jam or something. But that's okay. We're gonna go to the phone lines and hop a day. Good evening, Jesse. Hi, Jesse. Hey,
6: how are you? i it's How about you? are not talking about the uh... uh yes, sir. Can you hear me?
7: Yeah, I can barely hear you. I'm but I c- too long. No, I it I can barely hear you. Speak up a little bit, but I can hear you.
6: Uh, okay. Uh, about the pearl you know, I I think of the the of every day. Uh, I live in in Agate, uh, and uh, my Tigers are all jungles and crops, uh, uh, So, what I do is I, I feed the chickens, and the little fish comes around and they eat with the chickens.
7: <laughs> they eat and with once, the chickens, okay?
6: Yeah, and once in a while the mother comes around, and I feed them so much that they're staying, they almost come into the house. And I said, one of the days I'm going to make a trap and, and catch them. And the pigs are different sizes. Some are like uh, three weeks old, some are uh, one month, some are two, three months. And there, I took I, my I, 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 what I did, I buy and I I them trap
3: And I, you know, like a right? So what I, I throw
6: them out they were in the industry, but the little peaches comes around and the mother comes around yeah. i didn't make it, make it the, uh, the, come close to the, to the door. And they come close to the door, and I open the door, the screen door, and I put it inside the house, maybe about one foot in, so the little stick comes inside too. So, about one of the trap happened, and you know, you know the growth is a good
7: thing.
6: And, yeah. There's this different thing, and when you chop them up, you kill them, you, you chop them up.
7: With, uh, like yeah, Jesse I can barely hear you. Can you talk um, directly into oh. your phone piece and maybe okay? We can, okay. There you go. No, much better.
6: Okay, okay, um you you I picked I I picked those guys and uh, what I do is uh, once in a while I'll, I'll get one that's a rough six times. And, clean enough, and uh, I uh what do you call it uh, I put I a tombo and I put a church. <laughs> and man, money they good.
7: Okay, so do they come around pretty often? Every day. Every, every day.
6: day. Every day. day in the morning, in the mid the evening. So the fish comes at the, at the same time they know already. Once the chickens are 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 around, they come around. So hmm. my call is every morning or evening is my la, my and you know? <laughs> No,
7: and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely sure they're uh, good tasting. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they're, I, I definitely wanted to bring the, uh, like I said, the authorities from uh, wildlife uh, with the Department of Agriculture as well as USDA to address. You know, I, I've heard about, I've seen it, heard it on the news about the uh, problem that uh, Santa Rita and Agate have with the uh, wild pigs. Hello, Jesse.
6: Hey, sorry. I gotta go. So, catch
7: you later. All right, Jess. Thanks. Thanks uh, for calling in. All right, there you go, Jesse. He's feeding, <laughs> feeding the wild pigs and uh, my lot, my lot. Hey, I said <laughs> my lot, my lot. Five minutes till the top of the hour. CBS News will be coming around uh, again. I uh, apologize. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not gonna make any excuses. I don't know where they're at. <laughs> anyway. Dave doing this with you. Uh, you got something on your mind? Give me a call. You want to talk about uh, feral pigs? Are they coming into your property? If you've got some coming into your property in Diddido, I know Agate and Santa Rita. I know there's a bunch in Jigo, plenty in Jigo. And uh, again, stray dogs, that's always an issue. And uh, like I said, I found out they only got a few cages. They only got two animal control officers. I think three. One of them got bitten by a dog. Matter of fact, I know that because I got that from the game president uh, Cyrus. He said they used to have three animal control officers. Unfortunately, one of them got bitten really bad uh, when he went to uh, retrieve a uh, stray dog. So then you you know you kind of put those all together and figure it out why we have a problem with stray dogs and feral pigs. We don't have no cages. The pigs get into the dog cages, tear them up. They're not built for pigs. You know, pigs are pretty strong. Pretty darn strong. So, Once again, uh, uh, we're going to talk about that. And uh, if you want to talk just about trash, that's fine too. And uh, island sustainability, anything that's got to do with the environment, I'm up. That's what we're all about. Protecting our environment. Protecting our waterlands. You know, we talk about the uh, aquifer up at the north, how to protect that from being contaminated from pollutants, you know, oils and stuff that uh, leach into the ground. Very, very important issues. There's a lot of of important issues that we need to address and to ensure that we take care of this environment. We only have 200 square miles of land. You know, we, we need to make sure that we take care of every inch of it. We really do. Three minutes until the top of the hour. Um, we've got a caller calling in, but uh, caller, I'm going to ask you to, if you can, call back right after the CBS News. And we'll be more than happy to take your call because we're just up against uh, news. And it's just not going to give you enough time to talk. So, caller, stand by. We'll get to you. All right. In the meantime, Jeremy, you got something you can take us up to in the news? CBS News coming up next. Man, land, and sea. Thanks for tuning in. Fox Tonight. America and the critics
5: agree. The Masked Singer is TV's number one show. Amazing! And no matter how big you think this week's four new celebrities might be...
4: This is an accomplished
5: performer. You
2: brought it!
5: ...think bigger. Get ready for a performance that will have everyone saying,
2: We just witnessed greatness. Oh! A
5: new Masked Singer. Followed by the new hit drama, Almost Family. Who will be unmasked tonight?
0: Find out at 9, only on Fox 6, Guam, and Saipan.
3: Cable and satellite companies know they're in deep trouble, losing millions of customers each year. Yet they're still sticking it to viewers with hidden and unnecessary fees every single month. Here's what you can do about it. It's Wednesday's Consumer Tech Update brought to you by Simply Safe, the best security system for your home, period. Don't live in fear. Get yours at simplysafekim.com. Things are so bad that AT&T is openly discussing selling off DirecTV, a company that's lost 2.3 million customers over the last two years. Consumer Reports says cable and satellite companies tack on hidden fees, more than 400 bucks a year. Regional sports fees, so-called broadcast fees, and set-top box rental fees are pretty common. But they're not mandated by the government, and they pad another 25% to advertise prices. If these fees are on your bill, get a refund. Threaten to join millions of others who are cutting the cable. You have the advantage. Use it. I'm Kim Commando. When it comes to hiring, you don't have time to waste. You need to get your short list of qualified candidates fast. That's why you need Indeed.com. Post a job in minutes. Set up screener questions based on your job requirements. Then zero in on qualified candidates using an intuitive online dashboard. Discover why more than three million businesses use indeed for hiring. Post a job today at indeed.com slash hire. That's indeed.com slash hire, indeed.com slash hire. Let's face it, big tech and social media today are tracking everything we do online, making money off of our data. That's why we created the Commando Community. We designed the